0: This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Deborah emmons Andrawis to the program. How you doing, Deborah? Uh,
1: very well, thank you.
0: That's good. Deborah emmons Androwis is Executive Director of Historic Cherry Hill, which is on South Pearl Street in Albany, New York. Would you call uh, Cherry Hill a house museum?
1: Absolutely, Uh, it was once the home of the Van Rensselaer family, and uh, today it's open to the public um, to give uh, people that uh, wonderful sense of uh, you know what it was like uh, to live during a different point in history uh, through through the lens of of one family. Uh, We offer tours uh, of the house. Uh, so yes, but I believe that that would suit
0: uh, okay. the description of a, a historic house museum. Yeah, and really, and there are house museums all over the place. In a sense, I mean, it's a—I you yeah. know—I don't want to demean it, but it's it's a common sort of thing. Uh,
1: probably the most common museum in America, actually.
0: Yeah. So, as you just said, generations of the Van Rensselaer and Rankin families lived in the house. When was the house built? And who was the uh, original Van Rensselaer who, or Van Rensselaers who lived there?
1: The house was built in 1787 before Philip and Mariah Van Rensselaer. Uh, the Van Rensselaer family was, of course, uh, an enormous, uh, wealthy, uh, and powerful family in early New York. Um, the uh, main branch of the family owned, of course, this uh, vast patroonship of Rensselaer Wick. Um, Philip Van Rensselaer was not from that um, Patron branch of the family, mm-hmm. um, but he was a Van Rensselaer, so he did have access to sort of the uh, the name and the connections that went along with it. And he was himself um, a wealthy and successful uh, merchant. Uh, essentially, he um, brought agricultural goods from the hinterlands of upstate New York down uh, to the. The port at New York, and uh, sold them there, and from there brought up um, finished goods that were coming in from uh, Europe um, and uh, and the and the East, um, and also things like rum and sugar, and mm-hmm. and, and sold those things uh, up up in the Albany area.
0: And I don't to blindside you with this question, so he was not a slave trader, was he, or was he?
1: He was not a slave trader, no. Uh, the family did own slaves, however. Yeah.
0: Um, and also, what had he done in the war? You know, because it sounds like the house was built 1787. He was alive during the Revolution.
1: He was. He was actually the commissary of stores uh, under uh, Philip Schuyler. Um, and so, you know, involved in, you know, supplies and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm.
0: And he... Uh, uh, Philip Van Rensselaer um, married. You said a woman named Maria, and she was the granddaughter of that Philip Schuyler, right? Not
1: that, not that same Philip Schuyler, who was the major general in oh, the American Revolution. Okay. She was um, a Sanders, actually, um, but her mother was a
0: Schuyler. Oh, her mother. But her was her mother descended from Philip Schuyler, or no?
1: No, they. I mean, they would have been right. contemporaries,
0: but they they weren't actually related. But
1: well, they were related, being Skylers.
0: Okay. I think we well, anyway. Uh, so the Van Rensselaers and Rankins uh, live in this house for, for five generations. When did the house become a museum?
1: Uh, the house became a museum in 1964. It actually had this incredibly smooth transition that few historic sites do, from being a family home to being a historic house museum. Um, it, the last Surviving uh, family member uh, of this this branch of the family, Emily Rankin, died in 1963, and it was really based on on her will that Cherry Hill was established as a museum, and that included not only the house but all of the contents of the house. So mm-hmm. our collection includes really almost everything that was accumulated over the course of five generations. And we're talking about, of course, you know, in some cases, fine decorative arts, because, you know, this was a Van Rensselaer family, after all, to just the stuff of everyday life, Um, uh, items required for the running of a household, Um, you know, clothing, household textiles, um, cookware, uh, toothbrushes, even. Um, So Cherry Hill, because... Um, we have that collection. It's just a wonderful document of American history. Mm.
0: And uh, through the years, Albany and the neighborhood where Cherry Hill is located changed, uh, changed a great deal. What did the uh, Van Rensselaers and Rankins think of that?
1: (laughs) Well, it was actually arguably a very difficult experience for them. Their surroundings changed, I would say, in every way imaginable. Um, you go from, um, you know, in the late eighteenth century, the uh, house uh, surrounded by, um, you know, an expansive property, um, hundreds of acres surrounding the house, all uh, owned by by this family, um, to an encroaching uh, neighborhood uh, and a working class neighborhood. Um, largely uh, an immigrant population. So literally the landscape around them is changing, um, you know, and the um, social fabric is changing as well. Um, and the standing of the Cherry Hill family uh, in society, of course, has also changed. It didn't mean the same thing to be Van Rensselaers by the 20th century that, that it did in the 18th century. And their financial circumstances were all, you know, all of these changes that were industrial changes and economic changes and social changes and, you know, changes in the makeup of the neighborhood that were sort of experienced from this family, from this one location um, Mm -hmm. on the hilltop at Cherry Hill.
0: Which makes it quite an interesting story. And didn't, at one point, uh, they lose the house? I mean, maybe it was when the Rankins were living there?
1: In 1884, the house was auctioned. Um, Catherine Rankin, uh, who was a uh, fourth generation. She was the great granddaughter of Philippa and Rensselaer. She grew up at Cherry Hill. It was the only home that she had ever known. And she had strong emotional connections to Cherry Hill. Uh, and as this was all happening, you know, she even wrote a poem called At an Auction where she describes how she feels about this, this loss of her home. And, um, you know, she says, you know, vainly have I thought to say that vainly loved it all my days. And if this worldly world were righted, as it may be faith allowed, loveliness were won by loving, and I should have won my house. Um, it's actually a very moving poem. The house is sold at auction, um, but Catherine Rankin marries a rising lawyer, and the couple continue to live there initially as tenants until they're able to um,
0: buy the house back outright and it took them uh, 12 years to do it Wow um, the, You mentioned the, the collections at, at Cherry Hill and maybe I'll ask you to talk about uh, well you talked some about the scope of the collections but one interesting thing is that the weight of these collections threatened the structure of the house after it uh, became a museum Can you tell us what happened there?
1: Well, like so many families, a lot of <laughs> who live in a house for many years, a lot of stuff ends up in the attic. Um, and you know, all of those wonderful things that were collected by this family over all of those generations, so much of it was stored in the attic. Looking at um, the museum years, when we, around the 1990s, I would say, staff started to notice some disturbing changes in the structure, walls that were buckling, you know, areas that seemed to be sagging, um, crumbling plaster, and brought in a structural engineer to assess what was going on. Um, His estimate was that the house was probably, the attic, I should say, was probably designed to carry about 30 pounds per square foot and was carrying in in excess of 100 pounds per square foot. Mm -hmm. And his main recommendation was to get that stuff out of the attic. Uh, And that's when the Edward Frisbee um, Center for Collections and Research was built. Um, That building opened in 2003, and uh, once it opened, we started this major project of moving the majority of our collections that are not on display um, in the furnished rooms
0: Hmm.
1: and not a part of the tour uh, into this uh, facility. And... You know, the building was built as an emergency measure, but at the same time, it opened up incredible opportunities for us to make our collections accessible in a way that they they never had been before. Mm-hmm, right. um, so we are able to accommodate researchers. Um, we have, uh, I've, I've taught a course twice uh, here, a graduate level course for the University of Albany, focusing on um using material culture in research. Um, and we, we are also able to lend our collections out. We have one piece that not too long ago uh, traveled to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It's a rare textile called a Uh It was made in India in the 18th century. Um, and it was part of an exhibit there called the Interwoven Globe, that mm-hmm. uh, focused on the world mm-hmm. textile trade.
0: Is this uh, Edward Frisbee Center for collections, is that near Cherry Hill, or like next to Cherry Hill, or is it farther away? Or
1: yeah, it's actually it's it's on our main lot. It's on the rear side of our lot, but it's directly accessible from Cherry Hill Street, which is just one block west.
0: And I presume that Edward Frisbee had donated money to uh, create this building.
1: Edward Frisbee actually was part of Cherry Hill becoming, making that transition from private home to museum. He was a friend of the Rankins. Uh, He was an attorney and worked with uh, Emily's older brother, Elmendorf, and um, assisted Emily uh, legally uh, with her will and in the process of Cherry Hill becoming a museum, and was the first president of the Board of Trustees. So he was a major figure in our institutional history.
0: I note that, isn't that true? I I go to Albany Med from time to time. There's this Frisbee Street or something in South Albany. Uh,
1: Yes, there is a Frisbee Street. I don't know a whole lot about, um, you know, the the origin of that name. I would assume a connection, but... I guess you'd have to read the the Eric Schlimmer's book about the street names and all the That's true for <laughs> sure.
0: Um, but I, I'm also pres- i wondering if Edward Frisbee is connected at all with the Frisbee that we you know the, the the disc that we pe- toss around.
1: Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, anyway, uh, it's interesting. So you the stuff that was weighing down the historic Cherry Hill, uh, you you moved a lot of it over to the Edward Frisbee Center, enabling you to um uh, i guess maybe the word is curate or uh, exhibits better at the house itself right you just show a few things at a time
1: um well no not quite our our furnished rooms haven't changed a whole lot because um they are they are such an authentic experience they appear more or less as the Rankin family left them, and that's something very special about the Cherry Hill experience. Um, in a sense, less <laughs> curation is more um, because we we have so much documentation um, about Cherry Hill um, about um, you know how the rooms were left. Uh, there's mm-hmm. wonderful uh, series of photographs um, from from 1948. Uh, We also have, we have so many of the words, we have all of their papers, so we know a whole lot about what those room settings um, and furniture arrangements meant to the family as well. Um, So the rooms, um, the way that they appear when we're not in the middle of a major restoration, um, they reflect the furnishing period, actually, of of the 1940s and 1950s, more or less.
0: Um, as the family left them. Mm-hmm. Now, we uh, were talking with uh, Deborah Emmons Andrews about uh, historic Cherry Hill. You talked about the problem of the weight of the collections in the attic uh, uh, compromising the structure of the building. In fact, for what ten years now, the the house has been under reconstruction.
1: I wouldn't say reconstruction, (laughs) stabilization, and restoration, Um, but yeah, basically we have been undergoing a great deal of work because there was so much damage to the house, uh, not only from the weight of the collections—I mean that was a major part of uh, it—but you know, just wear and tear over the years and some issues with water entry uh, caused a lot of damage, Uh, and so. Yeah, it has been a major project. The first phase of the restoration was just um, structural stabilization. Our, the, the east sill um, was had largely rotted um, and needed to be uh, rebuilt. Um, the foundation itself, in one area, had uh, the stone foundation had crumbled to some extent um, because of water entry. Many of our main weight-bearing posts, um, the base of of several of them had rotted, and they weren't even making contact um, with the sill. So if you ask what was actually holding up the house, other than the grace of God, um, you know, the architects suggest the brick nogging was actually playing a role. And there were also some um, interior and exterior studs that, kind of held up the the lap and plaster that were not meant to be weight-bearing, but, you know, were bearing some of the weight. So there was a lot of structural Mm -hmm. uh, work Mm -hmm. that needed to be done, and that was the first thing that we tackled. Um, We also have been working on sealing up the building envelope. So, um, you know, when you think about the structure of Cherry Hill – it is itself an artifact, right? But it's also our gallery space because, you know, it's the envelope that is protecting our collections. Mm-hmm. And uh, sealing up that envelope has is really critical uh, for the purpose of the long-term preservation of all of those wonderful objects that are stored inside of the house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that involved the first thing that we did was um, restore all of the windows. And that has... Um, gone a long ways toward, um, you know, sealing up the house. We will also be um, uh, uh, adding some insulation in this in sort of the work that is upcoming. Um, mm-hmm. We have upgraded some of our mechanical systems. We have a new HVAC system that is not only much more efficient than the <laughs> the HVAC system mm-hmm. that, the uh, the heating system that the Rankins had installed. Uh, back in the day, that we were continuing to use. Um, But it it also is maintaining a a much better environment Mm -hmm. for our collections.
0: So Um, the uh, um, mm -hmm. Historic Cherry Hill is open to the public somewhat, right? I mean, uh, what what are its hours?
1: Um, This year, we're open on Wednesdays and Saturdays and offer tours at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and 3 o'clock. And this year... We're returning to our behind-the-scenes restoration tours uh, because we are approaching the end of the work and uh, there's some of the more exciting stuff that will be happening um, this summer and fall, uh, including uh, the the restoration of interior finishes. So we're talking about um, uh, lath and plaster repair, uh, wallpaper, um, and that sort of thing. We're also rebuilding the porch um, so, you know, there's going to be some exciting mm, going work uh, going on that we'll be able to talk about.
0: Our guest uh, on the Historians podcast, Deborah emmons Andrews Executive Director of Historic Cherry Hill on South Pearl Street in Albany, New York. We'll be back in just a moment. Want to put in a word for our GoFundMe campaign, which keeps the Historians podcast going. You can go to the GoFundMe website, uh www.gofundme.com forward slash 2019 The Historians. And you can make a donation online. If you'd rather send in a check, you can make out the check to me, Bob Cudmore, and send to 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 123. Zero two. We have uh, about nine minutes left on the Historians uh, podcast today uh, with our guest, Deborah emmons Executive Director at Historic Cherry Hill. And I mentioned it's on South Pearl Street in Albany. Let me get specific. How do you get there?
1: Um, well, it's pretty easy by way of uh, 787. You can actually uh, see the house from 787, and it's the Port of Albany exit. Um, you can also get there by CDTA. The, the, it's the Route number 7 line.
0: Mm-hmm. How long have you worked there?
1: Uh, 11 years now, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> I, sometimes it's hard for me to believe, but I should say. I uh, came on initially as curator in 2008 and became acting director uh, just over, over a year mm-hmm. ago. Uh, wow. and, uh, and here we are.
0: And as you've said, this uh, was a home uh, to uh, a couple of uh, na- family names, the Van Rensselaer's and the, and the Rankin's. And there was a murder there. C- can you explain that?
1: Sure. Um, there was a murder in 1827. Um, it's quite a scandalous story and uh, much more juicy than uh, many historic houses can offer, certainly. <laughs> um <clears throat> Uh, So uh, in 1827, uh, the Van Rensselaer family had taken in uh, uh, borders. Uh, They were members of the extended family. Uh, So Elsie Whipple uh, uh, was a relation of Philip P. Van Rensselaer's wife, and uh, she was a Lansing. Uh, And she was living at Cherry Hill along with her husband, uh, John Whipple. Uh, Elsie? had an affair with a hired hand, Mm. uh, Jesse Strang, who was going by the alias of Joseph Orton at the time. Um, What we can say for for certain is that Jesse uh, murdered her husband. Um, He climbed up on a shed roof that came just outside of their bedroom window and shot John uh, Whipple through the window. Uh, He staggered out into the hall. He cried, oh, Lord, and he he died there in the hall. There was an inquest, an investigation of the murder that also took place um, right at the house. Uh, He was was laid out in a room that we uh, now interpret as a guest bedroom. He was uh, arrested. He indicated that uh, Elsie was uh, not only his accomplice, but the architect of the whole thing. Uh, She was also arrested. Um, Both of them were tried. He was found guilty and hanged in um, the last public hanging in the city of Albany. Really? Um, There were 30,000 or so uh, people uh, estimated to have been in attendance. Um, Elsie's trial was at least as sensational, but she was found innocent. Um, and there's a lot of stuff going on here in terms of gender, uh, so we don't know really for sure whether mm-hmm. Elsie was behind it, as Jesse says she was. She did have motive. Um, she was a wealthy heiress, but because of you know property law in New York, she had absolutely no control of any of her money. She had married John Whipple when she was only 14 years old, and she went from being um, you know a ward of the Van Rensselaers after her parents had died uh, to being essentially um, a ward of her husband, mm-hmm. um, so she had very little control and and uh, certainly does not seem to have liked that situation very much um, but in terms of why she was found innocent um, essentially the the judge said that she um could not have been uh, capable uh, and devious enough to, to control a wily man like Jesse Strang, that she was merely, you know, an instrument in Jesse Strang's hand. So even in terms of um, that judgment, there was a lot going on in terms of both gender and uh, class, uh, you can say. Mm. Um, uh, another interesting issue involved in the story, there was an enslaved woman still at Cherry Hill in 1827, Dinah Jackson. And um, because of the end of slavery, uh, July 4th of that year, uh, Dinah was was free by the time that the trials took place. And uh, she was able to testify um, against Jesse Strang. And she did have kind of a critical piece of evidence w- because uh, Jesse had uh, before doing the deed himself, asked Dinah, who was the cook at Cherry Hill, whether she would be willing to poison. Really? So, yeah. So, you know, he had kind of tried to, to do it uh, already. Uh, so she was kind of an important witness. So there's a lot going on in the story. You know, in terms of, um, you know, uh, how how crime and punishment were dealt with in in the early 19th century, gender, class, uh, slavery. Um, it's a juicy story, but also historically a very rich
0: story. I should say, uh, and this is pales by comparison. But uh, the Marquis de Lafayette stayed there once.
1: Well, you know, it depends who you ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, we, there's really no proof that he actually did, and I think the reason that that is believed to be the case is because the first person that, as far as I know, that uh, told that story was uh, Catherine uh, Van Rensselaer Bonnie, who was uh, a family member and wrote a book, uh, Legacy of Historical Gleanings. And she told a lovely story about how uh, the Marquis de Lafayette wanted to come back to Cherry Hill and thank Mariah uh, for I, giving him a pair of socks or you know, something, something kind of ridiculous like that. But I really can't say that he actually okay. did visit Cherry Hill. It's a lovely story.
0: And I I'd um, not be able to give you much time for this answer. We have a couple of minutes, but right now you're open the times you said for uh, tours. But you also do educational programs at Cherry Hill.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, we we offer school programs. Um, those during our restoration, we have moved offsite. We offer a program called the Hudson River Trading Game. Um, that we offer in partnership with the Albany Visitor Center. And uh, next year, we will be returning to our on-site school programs. We also, I've I've talked extensively about the murder, and if that has whetted anybody's appetite, we offer uh, Murder at Cherry Hill tours. Um, The tale is told very dramatically, uh, and we have a wonderful actor who portrays uh, the murderer, uh, James Kyle, uh, and we offer those every October, so that's something that you know you can look out for if, if it's uh, of interest. And annually, we also we just finished our Albany History Fair. We um, every May we partner with other heritage organizations to explore a particular theme in Albany's history. Um, and this year our theme was Albany's literary history, and it was it was a, a really wonderful event. And every year it's something a little bit different.
0: Mm. Was there a literary connection at Cherry Hill?
1: Well, in terms of Cherry Hill, we we we've had this great opportunity to look at um, what the family was reading, because we have all of their books. Ah. Uh, it's a wonderful snapshot of... Changing trends in literary consumption over the course of a few centuries. Uh, We even had some children's books that we were able to display, and that we also had a poetry reading where we pulled from some original poems written by Cherry Hill family members that were, you know, using literature and poetry to respond to their experiences and the world around them, much as. you know, we can do today.
0: My guest on The Historian's Podcast has been Deborah Emmons Andrews, Executive Director of Historic Cherry Hill, South Pearl Street in Albany, New York. You can visit them online at historiccherryhill.org. You've been listening to The Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore.